For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. And welcome to a very, very special Memorial Day edition of Wrestling with Problems. I'm your host, King David Lane. That's King David Lane on just about every social media platform. So give me a like, follow, and request, and I will probably give you a return. Also, like King David Comedy. That's Comedy with a K. King David Comedy with a K on most major social media platforms. And if it would help us a lot, it would. It would help us a lot if you'd like, you know, give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of choice as well as writing us a review. We'd really appreciate it. And, of course, more shameless self-promotion. Get your Wrestling With Problems shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. Just look up Wrestling Problems. And also, like uh, King David Comedy uh, on Facebook. Check out my open mic every Wednesday night. Deep Point Comedy Theater, 5 South Lake Street in the Geller, Indiana area. That's the Miller Beach area, kind of correct And, of course, you know, by the way, this Friday, uh, actually this Saturday, rather, I got a great show coming up uh, at Eastwind Studios. That's uh, June 6th, Eastwind Studios, this Saturday coming up. Got a show headlined by Sharky. I'll be hosting the show, so tickets for that are just 5 bucks. Uh, you can check Facebook as well, Disposable Theater Productions, and you can get information about that. Now, now that I've got all of that shame and self-promotion out of the way, let's get into some wrestling talk. Of course, uh, last night, if you're listening tonight, <laughs> after I record this on Monday, uh, Double or Nothing, AEW's marquee pay-per-view occurred. Uh, I, for one, was thrilled by the pay-per-view from top to bottom. Great wrestling action throughout all the matches. There was no point when I watched any match during this show where I thought, this match sucks, or this is time for me to take a bathroom break, or I really don't want to see this. Uh, there was nothing that felt like a throwaway, nothing that felt like, okay, oh, uh, yeah, they, they just threw this in. This doesn't make sense with storylines or anything. You know, I give this card a five-star review. That's right. I give it five stars. There was nothing that I found wrong with it. At best, I find a few minor criticisms, but those are minor. Obviously, Stadium Stampede, they have some comedy stuff in there that, uh, that's kind of funny. I could see how some people might not like that, but it, it's not enough to the point where I'm like, I'm not interested in this, you know. Uh, overall, I enjoyed the card from top to bottom. I actually am going to do a little breakdown on the card and talk about some of the individual matches as we go through it. Uh, but, again, nothing that I found enough that warrant any significant criticism. Uh, started off with the kickoff, uh, kickoff show, which was, you know, the buy-in. Uh, singles match for the NWA Women's World Championship, which 
honestly, I think it's kind of silly to have a women's world title match. One of the longest running, most prestigious titles, theoretically, in the business should not be on the buy-in. But, of course, it's also an NWA title, so it's not an AEW title. I guess I kind of see why they would do it that way. It just still seems bad, though. Again, that's a minor criticism. But overall, you know, you had Rio and Serena Deeb uh, fighting for the title. 14-minute uh, ma- minute match. Serena, Serena Deeb won this match. Uh, so, nice, solid wrestling in this match. Uh, no complaints about this one. Enjoyed it. Obviously, would it be an NWA title? A uh, little light on story, but again, that's not really a complaint. That's just, you know, just good, solid wrestling. Can't complain about that. Uh, to open up the actual uh, AEW pay-per-view main card, you actually opened up with like a match that's kind of a surprising match to be a quote opener. Although AEW, I think, does tend to do things a little bit differently. They do open up with some pretty nice uh, matches. It's just it's still taking some getting used to open up with a match where basically top contenders for their main title start to show off. Uh, Adam. Hangman Page defeated Brian Cage. I was actually a little bit surprised by this, uh, but they did uh, do a little bit of a storyline where Brian Cage not seeming to get along with Ricky Starks and with Hook. So they're kind of teasing, not quite a breakup of Team Task, but maybe Brian Cage going off his own direction. They're teasing it. They didn't say it's, you know, they didn't they didn't fight. So, you know, this is one of those, like, stories. We're just starting to see the beginning of it. Just a little bit, I think. So, but I think long-term, that's where this story is going. Uh, they actually started off the show pretty hot with this with, with this match. Uh, I like Adam Page, uh, but he really, you know, he really got his game on with this match. Brian Cage always gets his game on. He's just like a guy that's a huge guy. You don't expect him to be so athletic, but he always is athletic. Adam Page showed a lot more athleticism than usually than I think I usually associate with. I associate him with being more traditional wrestler, even though he does have that, you know. Slingshot, buckshot. Other than that, I don't really expect to see a lot of athleticism out of him as far as his wrestling. I consider her more of a you know traditional wrestler, but he really showed a lot of stuff. You know, may, maybe it's just his gimmick. Maybe that's why I don't expect that sort of athleticism out of him because he's doing a sort of cowboy thing and the drunk thing. But uh, he really, really put on a great show and great move set, great bumps and everything in his match. So. Uh, Shout out to both these guys. They really started the card off hot. So this was one of those matches where before watching the rest of the card, I was like, okay, how is the rest of the card going to live up to that? But the rest of the card did a great job. Uh, next, you had a Young Bucks, Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson, the chance with Brandon Cutler. They're a young boy, which is weird to have a young boy roughly the same age as you. I know the Jacksons aren't exactly the same age. I know that I think they're like three or four years apart. But uh, overall, uh, have to say uh, it's still kind of weird. Anyway, they defeated John Moxley and Eddie Kingston. Uh, another great match, great work in this match. Obviously, I think the Young Bucks are the, the best tag team in the world, so I expect five-star matches out of them no matter what. And like I said, they're, they're <laughs> it's like you almost, you almost have to have your own category for them. Like They their five-star matches are default, so they're capable of six-star matches. You basically have to come up with a new rating system, you know? But, uh, and obviously, John Moxley is, you know, one of the most talented people in the business, a great brawler, a great man 
is it LA. Eddie Kingston, uh, he's one of those guys when he was in TNA, I wasn't, I wouldn't say I didn't like him, but I was not a huge fan of him. I was not aware of his combat zone, uh, reputation, his reputation, any. I just kind of knew him as the guy that was sort of trying to, uh, manipulate the, uh, the, uh, Latin American exchange guys and that feud. So that's really all I knew about him. I thought he was solid, but I was not a huge fan. I was like, I didn't really know what his deal was. Uh, AEW has done a lot better job of telling his story, uh, letting us understand, you know, why he's important, why he's important to the indie scene, why he's, you know, his relationship with John Moxley, why we should take him more seriously, why we should give him more credibility. Um, so, this, so this was another uh, excellent match. This was a 21 minute match. Uh, this was. Uh, Actually, it was weird. This was a 21 minute match. It was only the one, two, this was only the, maybe the fourth longest match on the card. You would expect that it would have been one of the top two or three longest matches on the card. But like, there was only the fourth longest match on the card. Obviously, you got a battle royal, so that's going to run long. Stadium Stampede just because that's one long. And of course, you know, you got the main event world title match. So. I guess it kind of made sense, but, you know, just going in, I would have thought it would have been longer, but it's not like it was a huge difference between that one and the uh, Battle Royal match, so. But overall, uh, solid work by every guy that's matched. They did a great job uh, continuing with the story of the Young Bucks and their attitude change. They did a great job of sort of furthering the story of Moxley and Eddie Kingston, you know, being uh, friends on any scene and throughout the level, so. Excellent storytelling, great wrestling. What more could you ask for? And, of course, you know, you ended up, uh, of course, having some interference with Brandon Cutler with, with the cold spray and some other stuff. So exactly what you'd expect this match to be with, uh, you know, with the new attitude of the Young Bucks, and outside interference, and et cetera, et cetera. So, but overall, another great match. Uh, next, we have... Uh, the Casino Battle Royal. This was a bit of an upset for me. Uh, uh, Jungle Boy won. That means he gets a world title shot at a future date. Uh, world title championship match. And I was kind of interested by the way, the, the way this uh, ended up uh, going together. But uh, obviously this is not like most battle royals or like Royal Rumble matches where you have guys either starting to ring all together or you have guys who sort of come down at different intervals. You sort of have groups of guys that come in together, groups of guys that come in together, groups of guys coming together, and groups of guys. And then, of course, you know, you get the last one, the Joker, uh, who gets to come in last by themselves. Uh, the only real huge surprise for this match was uh, Leo Rush made his debut. Uh, so I wondered if he was going to be an AEW talent now, but apparently he is a under New Japan contract from what I'm seeing according to Dave Meltzer. So this might be like more of a one-off or a limited series of appearances. I think ultimately, if uh, obviously if New Japan uh, is in negotiations with WWE to be exclusive partnership, which is the word on the street right now, uh, as of at least Monday, that nothing has been announced officially other than there's talks. So that would be a limited engagement type deal if he's under contract with Japan. But 
until it's official, that things things might continue to work out, and we'll see where it goes. But Leo Rush did some great job, even though he wasn't in the match that long. He did some great work showing, showing up his quickest, uh, doing some ducking and diving, some aerial stuff. So he really stole his show in a very, very uh, brief appearance within this match. But uh, ultimately, you came down to uh, later in the match, you had uh, Matt Hardy and Private Party against uh, Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. Of course, the uh, Private Party eliminated, which got it down to three. Uh, Matt Hardy tried to run a little scheme with uh, Christian because they were a long time association. I wouldn't call them friends, but then, you know, obviously you're talking kayfabe. They weren't friends, but they have a long time association having been in all those TLC matches and stuff together. Uh, so he tried to, you know, hey, let's let's work on this other guy, this double-team Jungle Boy. Of course, Christian Cage <laughs> turned on him immediately and threw him over, which led it, led it down to being Christian Cage and Jungle Boy, and surprisingly, Jungle Boy pulled off the... Uh, Upset, and he gets a title match. Like I said, I know not long ago when he got his uh when he got a title shot, I believe it was for the uh, TNT title, put in a great effort but didn't win it. I'm actually kind of surprised that they did go ahead and give him this title shot again this soon for the uh, world title. I don't think he's going to uh, win it when he gets the shot, but you know they did they've done a good job sort of building his character up, giving him his own music and all kinds of other stuff. So. uh like, the guys on the roster were, like, there are some people who have complained that AEW doesn't build stars. They've done a good job of building up Jungle Boy. They've done a good job with uh, some of their other talent as well. So it's not like, uh, I know, like I said, AEW's only been around, what, three years now? So And really, not even fully, completely three years, particularly within the pandemic and not being able to have crowds and stuff a little bit different that way. But uh, they've done a good job with Jungle Boy. They've done a good job with uh, Dr. Britt Baker. Uh, they've done a good job with Darby Allen. So they are building stars. It takes a little while, but they are building some of their own talent. I guess uh, mainly when you say building stars, you're talking about people who weren't at least on national slash international TV with WWE. That's, I think that's mainly what people say when they mean that. So using that criteria, I guess you might be on a fence whether or not you're talking about people who've at least been on TNA or Ring of Honor, whether or not you consider them stars already if they've been world champions in or, or, you know, top contenders in those organizations. But if you if you just purely want to talk about people who haven't been in WWE, uh, or at least not in WWE in any prominent position, uh, those are three examples right there. Dr. Britt Baker, uh, as well as uh, Darby Allen and Jungle Boy. So, And of course, Orange Cassidy. Don't forget Orange Cassidy as well. Another guy who at least, like I said, uh, I'm not sure, but mentioning these people off the top of my head, some of them might have been in development or some I, I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, and this is not something that warrants me running to Google right now and research it. But I know they haven't been at least on the top level. So I don't want anybody sending me tweets, hey, he was in uh, NXT or hey, she was in Florida Championship Wrestling or anything like that. I'm not, they haven't been on prominent TV. So. Anyway, moving on. Got more matches to talk about before I get out of here. This is going to be a short edition of the show since it is a holiday. I'm going to try to get out of here. And maybe, like I said, since Brian has not checked in on the show, I might actually swing down by Brian's house, you know, uh, since uh, I'm fully vaccinated. Uh, I know he's uh, I know he's got his second shot. I'm not sure if he's fully vaccinated yet, but it's Memorial Day, so the holiday is outside. So we might be able to hang out outside if nothing else. So. Anyway, 
let me let me run through these last few matches and a few uh, news articles before I get out of here. Uh, next, we had the match where it was uh, Cody Rhodes for one night only. The American Dream with Arn Anderson defeated Anthony Ogogo with QT Marshall. Uh, I've had my criticisms with Anthony Ogogo previously. I did not think he's you know ready to be in a prominent feud just yet. All they really showed him doing is throwing punches. And why? obviously he has credibility as a boxer, his wrestling ability has not really had a chance to be shown at all. Uh, and I usually when, it, when they don't show somebody's wrestling ability, I assume it's because they can't wrestle. <laughs> and then with him being a boxer, that doesn't, you know, uh, really show me a lot as far as confidence that he is actually going to be a good wrestler, at least not yet. I'm not saying that he couldn't be one day, but I hadn't seen it yet because his first couple matches had only been a few minutes long a piece, and basically it was just him throwing punches or a punch. So uh, he actually surprised me a little bit. He did show some wrestling talent. He had a beautiful, beautiful frog splash. His frog splash looks better than most wrestlers' frog splash because I've, I've discussed the frog splash on the show. I know there's different versions of it. There's versions that look more purely like a frog splash, like uh, D'Lo Brown's had the best, what I call, pure frog splash, where they look like a frog. Uh, Eddie Guerrero had the best overall looking frog splash, although his was like, had a lot more snap to it. His knees were together. His was most symmetrical as far as, you know, and just being crisp looking, but it wasn't, in my book, a pure frog splash. Uh, Rob Van Dam had the best uh, air on his probably and his looked close to a frog but it was it never it didn't have the symmetry that Delos Browns had but those three are the most prominent frog clashes I've seen in the business other ones they were you know they all have like sort of level of credibility in my head that even though they weren't identical versions of the same move they were all considered frog clashes and they are the best within a certain parameters but Anthony Ogogo's frog splash looked uh, it had these Symmetry, I'd say, of uh, D'Lo Browns, because D'Lo Browns was pretty similar, symmetrical to at least when he, in his younger days. I don't know about his later later run, but his early, younger days, it definitely had symmetry. Uh, it had a lot of height on it. He's a longer, leaner guy, but it had a lot of height to it. So it had the uh, Rob Van Dam aspect of that. It didn't really have any of the Eddie Guerrero part, cause, just because he, had, he did it as a certain way and it was a snap, so it didn't really have that. But he did have some of the best parts of the Rob Van Dam and of the uh, D'Lo Brown version. So uh, he did. He he had a nice Olympic slam as well. So while he didn't overall have a great large move set, uh, he did a solid job, an incredible job. So I will rank him. I will move him up a little bit higher. Overall, the match was good. Uh, Cody Rose, obviously being a more skilled wrestler, uh, did a lot more move sets and stuff, but. Everything Anthony Ogo did looked good. So maybe he will continue to develop and be a better wrestler, but he was he did he did he did not have a poor showing in his match, unlike previous matches where it wasn't so much he had a poor showing, it was just he didn't show anything other than the punch. So he showed a nice uh small uh move set, but everything he did looked good. So uh I was pleased with what he did and I'd like to see him develop a little bit more, but Overall, good. Uh, next, we had a singles match, AEW Team Championship. Miro defeated Les Archer. Uh, Dick Roberts showed up 
they said he was going to have a snake, but I don't think the snake ever actually came out of the bag. <laughs> he started going, looked like he was reaching for the snake, but it looked like he didn't actually come out. Of course, I did uh, look away for a second, so I apologize if the snake came out and I missed it. But I pretty sure it, I'm pretty sure it did come. But overall, this was a this was a like when I see quote a heavyweight match when I see two big strong guys fighting, this is what I want to see. I don't want to see Hogan and Andre, you know, just throw fists and kick and slam each other. These were some big men, but they were athletic big men, you know, giving us some big air, doing some nice move set, you know, doing some quality brawling for big guys, you know. If I want to see two big men fight, this is what I want to see. So uh, shout out to them for putting on a great power guy match. Athleticism, you know, uh, Lance Archer's, you know, he did the old school Undertaker wing uh, rope with the arm walk thing, but he threw a moonsault into it. You know, that That's something, you know, next level type stuff you don't usually see. You know, Lance Archer's no spring chicken, by the way, like I said. I did not realize how old he was, but he's already, he's already, he's in his mid-40s. He's like almost as old as me. And not only is he almost as old as me, he's like 6'8". So that's very, very impressive, <laughs> you know, pulling that off. So uh, shout out to him. So anyway, next match on the card was uh, the Dr. Britt Breaker D&D with Rebel, not Reba. He defeated Hikaru Shida by submission. Uh, they did a lot of, uh, this was a lot of great athletic moves, uh, some decent brawling. Uh, overall, a very, very good match. And Dr. Britt Breaker finally uh, got the championship. I don't understand how it took so long for her to get the women's uh, championship, considering she's been uh, the star of women's division for so long. But you never know. Like, like I said, sometimes you know, sometimes it's actually a, a a good thing that you sort of delay it. I, I felt like they probably delayed her a little bit too long. Not so much that she lost her shine, but I meant just like the women's division just needed her for a while to be in a top position. And they finally gave it to her. I don't have the quite the same criticisms as a lot of other people have with the women's division because they've had some stars up top. I do I do enjoy Rita uh, Riho. I've enjoyed uh, Isla Rose's, you know, Rampages and stuff. I've enjoyed uh, Hiku Rashida's run. So there is some talent. Obviously, I don't think the depth is quite there yet, but at the top, the, the division has been nice at the top. So overall, I've, been, I've, been, I've enjoyed the women's division. Like I said, it, it's not top to bottom as strong as some of the other divisions have been, like the women's uh, in WWE or, you know, at the, the peak of what the TNA knockouts division was. But it still has been a good division, at least, you know, even though it's been a bit top-heavy. Uh, anyway, next we got Sting and Darby Allin defeated Scorpio Sky and Page. Uh, it actually, I like the finish to this move, the finish to this match. Obviously, you don't expect Sting to do a lot of the work at this point. He's 60 years old, roughly, give or take. Uh, so you don't expect him to do too much in the room. You expect that Darby Allin was going to carry a lot of the stuff in this match. Uh, you also would expect that, you know, Scorpio Scott, Ethan Page to carry a lot of the weight in the match as well. You'd expect that Sting just to sort of hang back and do, do a little bit here and there, but Sting did that great dive off of the poker chip, so 
that was very, very impressive. And I also enjoyed Sting's uh, version with the end of this match where Sting just uh, blocked Scorpio Sky. I believe he was trying to pull off a cutter, I think. And then he uh, just blocked it, took it directly into a door Scorpion death drop. So uh, overall, another another very, very solid match. This match is this was this was the best version probably of what I expected this match to be because with an older guy that's like basically sixty and injury prone, you thought okay maybe he'll just try to take it easy, but no, he sold. He did sell out a little bit this match, so I was impressed. And this is probably as, as good a version of this match as you could expect it to be from at worst thing is in his career. He did nothing that looked bad, and he actually took the t-shirt off because I always wondered like when you see a guy wearing a t-shirt and wrestling. You assume he's, his body is gone. <laughs> That's why he's trying to cover it up. So he, him having worn a T-shirt pretty much the entirety of his time in uh, AAW, I was not expecting great things. But he, he looked solid when he took it off. So I don't know if it just took him a while to get back, quote, in ring shape or shape he wanted to be in where he could take his shirt off or whatever else. But I'm glad that he's, he, he, looked, he, looked, he looked the part of being staying when he took his shirt off. There's nothing sadder than being a pro wrestler. Pro wrestler. Obviously, I don't want to body shame anybody, but in wrestling, your look is part of what you are. I'm not talking about average people off the street. I'm talking about when you're a wrestler and when your job is supposed to be a fighter. I'm, and I'm not even talking about like you know true big guys. I'm not talking about like uh, Bronson Reed or Otis. If you're going to be those guys, you can be that guy. You can be a big you know you know. Uh, I guess I would call it big, beautiful man as opposed to using term that might have a little bit uh, less PC to it. But, you know, if you want to be King Kong Bundy, you want to be Unready Giant, those sort of guys, you know, they can have a sort of look in the spine. But if you're, if you're going to be a muscle guy, you want to be a muscle guy. If you want to be a physique guy, be a physique guy. This thing's always been a physique guy. So you want him to continue to be that. You don't want to be the sad guy that looks like a shell of his former self. I think, I think that's probably the best, most PC way I can put it. Anyway, moving on, we got a three-way match for the AEW World Championship. This match was everything you expected it could be. You had numerous false finishes, uh, good use of the long two counts. Uh, you had the athleticism of Pac. You had the comedy, but also great wrestling ability of Orange Cassidy. And Kenny Omega, obviously, the best belt machine. So, of course, Kenny Omega defeated Orange Cassidy and Pac. Uh, uh, Pac, rather. Remember in wrestling, I want to say, I want to say Pac with the Xbox. No, his Pack, the bastard Pack. Uh, like I said, this match is everything you could expect out of these three guys being in a match. The comedy, the comedy parts to it weren't over the top funny, but they were funny. You know, you, you had the proper seriousness of it. You had uh, Kenny Omega doing evil stuff throughout, using his multiple. Uh, Belts <laughs> to attack his opponents, and he has four belts, so he used all. I believe he used all the belts to attack opponents at different times, but ultimately uh, he pulled off the victory. Uh, and actually, the weird thing was he really he didn't really pull it off using the belts, although they did play a role. But uh, basically, Orange uh, Cassidy had him in a pretty predicament. Uh, with the ref, they had been a ref bump, so then he had he got him for a long two, which should have been a three theoretically, due to the fact of how long he had him down. But of course, you know he kicked out, and then next thing you know he he did a roll up and he pulled off victory. So uh, 
this was a 27 minute match, second largest second largest match of uh, longest match of the card. Uh, great work by everybody involved in this match. Last but not least, you had the inner circle with Jericho, Hager, Farah, Santana Ortiz, Pinnacle, MJF, Orlo, Sean Spears, Cash Blend, Carwood, Blanchard. Uh, Sammy Guevara ended up pinning Sean Spears. Uh, it was basically all the craziness that you would expect to be in a stadium stampede match. You didn't have you didn't have that uh, the same signature uh, sort of thing that was weird, like you had the Young Bucks, you know, suplexing a guy 100 yards of the field, but you had attacks throughout the stadium. Uh, you had some nice coming relief moments by Jericho, you know, like, uh, giving a little bit of a pat to Sean Collins' cutout. You had uh, matter of fact, I think the signature thing of this one will probably be the uh, holy shit by Urban Meyer. <laughs> after they ended up uh, MJF and Jericho were fighting in Urban Meyer's office and by the way uh, I just I was not aware that was Urban Meyer when I knew those were, were Jacksonville coaches I was not aware that it was like uh, Urban Meyer and Charlie Strong until after they announced it I just thought they were just random assistant coaches and all hanging out <laughs> later on I just I, when they announced it I just thought oh yeah that's Urban Meyer and Charlie Strong but then after they got done with the fight, Urban Meyer just yelled, holy shit. I know Tebow's probably not going to be thrilled about that. You know, when you're the fourth string tight end on the team, you really want to be the morality police for your head coach. <laughs> but anyway, there were some great bumps in that match. Matter of fact, one of the best bumps was sort of missed initially right before he said, holy shit. He said, holy shit. Uh, there was a bump where... Uh, MJF was put on the office chair and rolled and sort of flipped over a railing for a table, although they did do a good replay of a, of a better angle. But I kind of, at first, when you said, holy shit, I thought he was just, you know, referring to the overall situation that happened. Uh, when you watch the replay, it would have made more sense for him saying it just after that particular bump. So, But overall, there was some, there was some very, very interesting things in this match. He had uh, I guess the inner inner circle motorcycle club, which you know, he has some bikers chasing Sean Spears. Of course, Sam Guevara coming back for his revenge. This time, he was driving a golf cart. He hit Sean Spears, and of course, he ended up pulling off the victory after a six thirty uh, senton. Uh, so, overall, like I said, there was some funny stuff in this in in, in this match, uh, particularly comments by Jericho and by MJF. But overall, it was a good match. Like I said, I, I could see how maybe some progressive fans might not have liked some of the comic relief moments in this match, but it wasn't over-the-top funny stuff. It wasn't completely ridiculous stuff. And by the way, the fact that you had a, you had a cameo appearance by Conan DJing. Why there would be Conan DJing at a club during the stadium stampede doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Again, that's more of a minor criticism. <laughs> but it's 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 at the time, I was like, why would a wrestler, retired wrestler, be DJing a, a, at a club in a stadium while they're having a match? It made, that didn't really make a lot of sense. It's not zombie doing backlash stupid, but it didn't make a lot of sense. So overall, again, I reiterate, this was a five-star uh, card. Uh, great match. And I'll just uh, leave it there. I've, I've just, I've, you know, like I said, I can't 
lavished enough praise on this show, so I'm just going to you know, stop where I've done it right now. Uh, I do want to get discuss a few more things before I get out of here, though. Just some uh, brief recap of some of the other news in the world of wrestling real fast. Uh, they did announce that uh, AEW is going to be undergoing a huge expansion this year. Obviously, they are, they are you know, we mentioned, I believe, previously on the show that uh, TBS will be uh, getting uh, a Dynamite starting next year, I believe. Uh, also, uh, Rampage will be a one-hour show that will be coming to TNT. So, uh, uh, yes, yeah, so actually TNT, TNT is going to be getting Rampage starting in August. That's going to be a Friday night show. It's going to be a one-hour show. Dynamite's going to move to TBS in January 22. So, uh, Tony Khan said, I also think we're going to have to start expanding the roster in AEW. There's going to be great moments, great surprises on the show. He was also hyping the, the uh, Double or Nothing show when he uh, made this announcement. So, uh, I'm interested in seeing what they're going to be doing as far as quote expansion. I thought they expanded pretty much pretty well. Obviously, there's different degrees of contracts of what guys have in AEW, so it's a little bit different as far as uh, what the deals are. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, Mark Henry is signed with AEW. Uh, during the preview, they announced he signed with the promotion. He will be a coach for the promotion, in addition to being a guest analyst for the Rampage TV show that it premieres uh, in August. And he's going to speak for the first time on AD program Friday, uh, this Friday night. Uh, of course, he's had the WWE World Heavyweight title, ECW title, European title, and a three-time Slammy Award winner. Uh, the last match he worked apparently was Royal Rumble at the Greatest Royal Rumble pay per view April 2018. Uh, he has said he wants to quote one more match, so I guess he'll get his one more match probably in AEW too, by the way. So, uh, congratulations to Mark Henry. And I guess he'll be uh, all elite. In other news, Cardi B is going to be the host of SummerSlam. Unless you're watching the video, you don't see me rolling my eyes. If you're watching the video, you did see me roll my eyes. I have no interest in seeing Cardi B be part of the show. Uh, I don't necessarily hate Cardi B, but I have no reason to associate her with wrestling. Uh, I generally am not a huge fan of these, quote, random celebrities hosting stuff. Particularly, like I said, she actually commented she hadn't watched, she hadn't watched in years. Uh, back in January, she tweeted, okay, no more WWE tweets. I haven't watched it in years. I was just confused on all the WWE tweets I was getting for this last thing. Heard about it was the sexy wrestler named Carmella. Obviously, it makes sense for WWE as far as getting more mainstream exposure because that's one of the things they like doing. But again, I'm not really particularly interested. I don't hate Cardi B, but I, I, I'm not a huge fan of her either, the other way either. Uh, like at least Bad Bunny. Bad Bunny was a huge WWE fan. He actually put in the work to become a good wrestler. So him, him being associated with the product made a little bit more sense. Uh, but oh well, I guess we're going to be stuck with it. Hopefully. She, Hopefully, maybe she'll surprise me and do something interesting, but I'm not saying anything. <laughs> uh, Cody Rose has teased there could be a new title belt coming to AEW. Uh, he confirmed there are no plans to rename the TNT belt with a move to TBS, but he didn't know if there could be a new set of team-based titles coming to much soon. 
the TBS title has not been discussed yet, but another title is a lot of people can guess has been the title has been more supposed to come in the future. I'll just speculate what that is. We have a lot of people, quote, team roster, so obviously I think he's referring to the Trios title. Uh, he's hinted Trios titles previously could be coming to the promotion. Uh, remember the origins of TNT with Warner Media, our television partner provided and one and was the one that wanted us to have it. That was the first long wrestling for your partner, especially if we'd like you to represent us. That's why we keep it the TNA title for the time. It's my favorite belt in long wrestling. Now, of course, uh, there was a recent uh, promo that Tony Khan cut regarding uh, Nick Khan. He actually did it prior to Dynamite this Friday. Uh, he made the comments. I mean, here's a short list of some of the comments he made. There's room for only, there is room for only room for one con in the wrestling business. It's me, Tony Khan, not some con man from Connecticut. I talked to New Japan and I asked them if they thought it would be a good idea and a good promo. They thought it was great and I thought it would be a great promo. This is the comments he made regarding the promo. Uh, he actually made this, he made, actually, uh, via some transcripts via Fightful that he discussed that. Obviously that's not part of the promo. Uh, I just want to make clear. He did continue the things that big, big things coming regarding his relationship with his company in Japan. Uh, some more comments he made made sense. It was a big weekend for us, and it's true. We have a lot of stuff going on with New Japan. Everyone's going to talk to each other, and we've done some great stuff with New Japan just the last week. I think we're going to do a lot of great things going forward with everything we talked about and agreed to. I'm excited about it. Uh, New Japan uh, did have... Uh, does actually have... Uh, New, J- uh, New Japan has a Road to Dominion event coming up uh, very, very soon. We'll be headlined by the Girls of Destiny, Tamatangan, Lower, spinning the IWGP uh, heavyweight tag team titles against Dangerous Trekkers, Zack Sabre Jr., and Tai Chi. Uh, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Uh, the New Japan WWE relationship could be interesting, but I've already seen a lot of uh, the internet wrestling community clown it. Is this basically having Okada jobbing? The Braun Strowman and a bunch of other stuff like that. So there's some very, very funny memes if you go on Facebook and check it out. I'm sure they're on Twitter as well, but uh, I would, I'd say overall, I'm leaning toward wanting, I'd rather have New Japan working with AEW and having all of these other organizations work together outside of uh, WWE. Because if WWE signs with New Japan and their exclusive partners, I think that sort of ruins a lot of other great things that could happen. I would much rather Every other company we work together outside of WWE, at least all the other major companies, as opposed to New Japan being exclusive. But this is a holiday weekend, so uh, I hope you took some time to remember those who made the ultimate sacrifice. I'm not going to say have a happy Memorial Weekend because it's not really a, a holiday for happiness per se. I do hope if over the last you know 15, 16 months you haven't been able to see family and friends that, you know, Everybody's got the vaccination. You actually are able to celebrate the holiday together. And, you know, like I said, again, probably not happy is probably not the best way to put it, but at least, you know, you can be happy with joining family and friends you haven't seen in a while. This has been the first holiday in a while that will have probably some some normalcy to it. So uh, respect to anybody who made the sacrifice. Respect to anybody who risked the sacrifice. 
you know, I know a lot of people know who are my political beliefs, uh, but I don't have any problem with uh, people who wanted to uh, risk their life uh, to protect their country and protect their families. We might uh, disagree on which wars or which situations were it was necessary to fight and stuff like that, but I will always respect anybody who's willing to at least, you know, put it on the line to risk risk their life to protect their family, protect their country, uh, regardless of what beliefs we might have or when it's the right time. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your uh, week. We'll be back next week. You've been listening to Wrestling With Problems. I'm King David Lane. Again, that's King David Lane on every social media platform. Give me a like on my friend request, and I will give you one in return. And you have a great This is Matt Hardy, and you are listening to the VOC Nation. Rock and Roll Union for the past two years has been the place for rock and roll, new rock and roll, debuting rock and roll, and some of the old classics as well. We have welcomed guests from around the world, national artists, and more. We have excited many people by our live events. We've welcomed everybody into the fold, and we continue to do so on a weekly basis. Guys, that is Rock and Roll Union, and that is what we do for you. Saturdays, 6 p.m. Eastern, VOCNation.com. VOC Nation provides live daily streaming shows where fans have the ability to interact with the hosts and guests by phone call, email, and Twitter. VOC Nation hosts include the legendary Ken Resnick, you probably remember from the AWA and WWE, former WCW performer The Maestro, Wes Briscoe, who you probably remember from Impact. Brady Hicks, who you remember from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez. And former Philly radio personality Bruce Wirt. VOC Nation's two most popular shows are Wrestling With History, featuring Ken Resnick and Bruce Wirt, streaming live on Wednesday nights at 9.30 Eastern. And, of course, In The Room, featuring Pro Wrestling Illustrated's Brady Hicks and WCW alum The Maestro. And, by the way, both of these shows take callers live during the show. What are you waiting for? Go listen live right now at VOCNation.com and subscribe to all of our podcasts by searching for VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. Oh, and follow them on Twitter, too, at VOC Nation. Hola, this is your amiga, Shelly from Cali, to let you know you can catch me here on VOC Nation for Shelly Live. You never know what the hell I'm going to be talking about. Sometimes I have guests. Sometimes I let you on in the cheese mess, spill a little tea. Sometimes I cry. You have to tune in to find out why. And I also take your calls. I love chatting with you guys and seeing what the hell you guys are thinking. So meet me here on the VOC Nation. Be there or be square. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.